This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. I am Kevin Schaefer. And I'm Rich Lepore. And we are here for a really fun episode. I'm really excited about this one. Um, so we're as a, we're recording on September 17th, but right. we're getting very close to October and Halloween, um, and we just saw it. So we are doing a favorite horror movies episode. You know, I think if it, the fact that we're human beings and we live in America, yeah. I think that means that by default we've seen it. Yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. that popular. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, like, uh, I think the only ones are people who just cannot do horror at all. Or yeah. Not, but, but even um, still, like, yeah. I see people mm-hmm. that you wouldn't normally expect to go see horror right, movies right. chilling at the theater. I saw a dude with his, like, 13-year-old daughter and, and, yeah. and 12-year-old daughter. <laughs> I don't know if I can bring young kids like uh, that. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying I would, but, man, that's what – I mean, he was just like – I was just like, so what are you seeing? He's like, it. Yeah, like, yeah. it was no like, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and especially um, – actually, we can we can maybe discuss it when we talk about the movie. But yeah, yeah, there I was mean, a little bit of drama about um, – that resurfaced about the whole orgy scene that apparently – used to be oh, in the yeah, book yeah, yeah. which blows my mind did you get to that point uh, i don't think you no, not no not yet far, okay yeah. cool but anyway i mean yeah. so that's the origins of it are certainly There's, not pg yeah. right 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 um Absolutely. but anyway so so right so we're gonna be talking about it um yeah. which you know we'll tell you what we thought of it sure. uh we're also in that case gonna be talking about horror movies right yes so basically how we're gonna break this up we'll start with news and we actually have several news stories um that uh tie in directly to horror um, and one about a galaxy far, far away that right. I'm sure everyone has heard. Um, and then we'll move into a discussion of it. We won't do a super in-depth review due to time constraints, but we'll definitely share our thoughts, um, talk about the box office records it broke and all that. Um, so that'll be the middle. And then we'll top it all off with our um, top three horror movies Sounds each good. and then some honorable mentions as well. Awesome. Well, without any further ado, um, let's pull up your list okay. of these horror news stories. And this so, first one isn't really horror. Yeah. But uh, well, maybe it is horror. Uh, a, a horrible outcome if you're Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. That's a, um, so <laughs> this dude uh, wow. took it hard wow. in the yeah. media. Mm-hmm. Um, so so basically, um, Colin Trevorrow was like the second auteur director who was going to be brought on to be like the the episode nine of episode Star nine, Wars directors. Yeah, yeah. So obviously J.J. Abrams was brought in to kick off the series. Right. And, and so he he did um, you know Force Awakens episode seven, and then for episodes eight and nine they were bringing in not lesser known well they're lesser than J.J. Abrams yeah. known but I mean they're not I mean they've both done really big movies at this point right but not but, but they're that more superstar status right they come from the indie world sure. um Ryan Johnson of course uh, directed episodes of Breaking Bad and yeah. he did Looper that, Looper yeah. was his probably his most famous that's right yeah he, and then Brick he did um, Brick which yeah. was which is it was was his real breakthrough. Yeah. It's kind of like a gumshoe, um, Dashiell Hammett meets high school right, in a really right. interesting, weird way. Sure. Um, but he's you know he's a he's an auteurish type guy. Um, sure. And then you have or or more just like an indie type director. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And then Colin Trevorrow uh, had a, had an uh, indie background, and then yeah. he went on to do Jurassic World. And you know he seemed like the next big thing, like the next not even big thing, huge thing. Because Jurassic World, and I I couldn't believe it when I saw these articles how successful that movie was. It was, it was big, a massive yeah. success. No, yeah. a massive success, like yeah. more than I ever knew. And then he just like got. I mean, he supposedly even on Jurassic World set he was a complete difficult to work with mm. snob. Uh, what I know is the best. It's my way or the highway. And then he made his next movie, The Book of Henry. 
and it was a bomb. Yeah. It was an explosive, stinking bomb. I don't even know anything about it. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's some coming-of-age story about a kid wearing goggles, doing weird shit. It, it's just like, he just thought, I made Jurassic World, I'm the king of the world. This is the mm-hmm. impression I get. And I can make whatever the fuck I want, and it's going to be great. And he makes some whack-ass movie with Book of Henry. Apparently, he was, I think the quote was, unbearable to work with on that set. Um, yeah. Cause Sounds it, like a Josh Trank kind of thing. Yeah, it is yeah. similar to that. There's yeah. a lot of these guys that are coming up that, I guess... And, you know, it's an interesting balance, because... In order to become successful, you have to be incredibly driven. You have to be incredibly confident because the art world, as we both know, is all about rejection. Mm-hmm. It's all about having confidence and in the and and belief in your own skill. Because sure. if you don't have that belief, nobody else is going to talk about how great you are. Yeah. So to a certain extent, you have to have that, but it's got to be balanced by humility. And apparently, for both these guys, Josh Trank and more so Trevoro, they just don't have that humility. Well, and part of it too is that. Ever since Star Wars has been owned by Disney, it's the ultimate demonstration of, like, art meeting commercialization. Um, because, you know, all these guys, they, of course, grew up Star Wars fanboys, and, you know, it, it would be any of their dream to direct a Star Wars movie. But that comes with a whole set of constraints, um, because right. they have to fit it into a larger universe and um, work with all the executives, make sure everything is canon, and it meets their standards, etc. And um, so if we've buried the lead at all, he got dropped from the movie. Yeah. So he is no longer directing episode nine, nine um yeah. and he's just i mean and it was pretty clear that right. he was dropped right so the, the the official message from um lucasarts says um we mutually decided that our visions for the <laughs> film differed um but everybody on the inside and there's not been any like refuting of this um has said that colin trevorrow was just impossible to work mm. with and this all this comes on the heels obviously of the big han solo debacle right right um where you know the directors of the lego movie phil lord and chris miller um and and other successful films what's their other big thing that people like that they did um the 21 jump street right 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 so they basically in in two different cases took movies that shouldn't have worked and made them amazing so you know here's another movie han solo that on paper is a really tough movie to make terrible yeah right and so they brought them in they were like perfect you know these guys can bring their own vision to it well unfortunately it became very clear at that point that uh, Kathleen Kennedy that's her name right yes um, is rigid um, is is very set on what is a Star Wars film, mm-hmm. um, and that may be a good thing. Like you know, it's very. I'll tell you, the the success of the MCU um, has been Marvel's uh, cinematic universe. Yeah. has been the fact that they have Feige. Yeah, absolutely. This this very clear vision. Right, and he is going to determine the vision for the for the you know universe. Right, right. And sure. and Kathleen Kennedy is the equivalent um, heir apparent on yeah. uh, on the Star Wars. And you side. also have Lawrence Caston. Is right. what wrote Force Awakens and is also writing Han Solo. So when you have the two of them disagreeing with the director, yeah, that's not going to work. And so basically in that one, the, the tone was going to be – it was more humorous than they wanted. It was being improvised more than they wanted. They were just, like, moving off the script way too much. Nothing was getting shot on time. Mm-hmm. They didn't like the performance coming out of the main actor, El, or Aaron, Aaron Reich. Um, and so they were dropped from that film, basically, yeah. in the same way. Yeah. And now Colin Trevorrow is, is another. And, and so all the headlines are just like, you know, why can't Star Wars keep a director? Right, you know? right. Um, anyway, so that brings us forward to the new news. And the new news is really was surprising to me. Yeah. Um, and what well, is it? Uh, so, J.J., if you haven't heard, if you live under a rock, J.J. Abrams is directing Episode Nine now. Unbelievable. Co-writing it alongside Chris Terrio, who's the screenwriter of Justice League, BBS and Argo. Um, Weird. And this will be the 
Um, well, he has become like a. He went from Argo to becoming like a blockbuster screenwriter. Okay. Um, so he I just met the like, BVS Justice League connection. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Considering um, that those BVS is debatable whether it has sure, any merit, sure. and then Justice League we'll see. Right, and it also is like the fifth rewrite or so of the movie. Um, fourth or fifth, I can't remember because they had Trevorrow and his writing partner on it. Um, and then uh, Jack Thorne was brought in to rewrite. That was maybe a month ago, so mm-hmm. he was on it for maybe a few weeks. Um, and then now this happened. So, um, I, I don't know. Like, it didn't terribly surprise me that because after failing several times with outside auteurs trying to bring them in to do Star Wars movie and having huge disagreements, I think the most logical choice in their mind would be to let's ask the guys who we've had for episode seven and, and who relaunched this right. universe really so well they asked, right. they asked both Ryan. did Johnson they ask brian and, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and what and he said he didn't want to do it i guess he yeah i don't know if it was other i don't think it was like a bad thing but like, no yeah yeah um but because then he was also attached to the script at one point but when back when trevor was still signed to direct he was writing a treatment the other thing that happened with the episode nine rewrites you have to keep in mind is that Carrie Fisher passed away, right. and big, she which was is a big, it, supposedly really much more. She was supposed to be a vital role in it because right. they, the way they had kind of structured the new trilogy was like they were gonna have a character from the original trilogy be sort of like the original trilogy main focus of the. So Han being Force Awakens one, Luke is gonna be a big part of Last Jedi, and Leia was supposed to be. <sighs> so that's really sad, and I think you know it will. It just it takes had, the whole thing into turmoil. Right, right, right. Um, what I think is fascinating about it is, and and this is just a little thought that I had when I heard J.J. Uh-huh. Abrams was back in conjunction with the fact that the movie's been delayed now. Yeah. So initially it was going to come out um, in what, That 20, I'm glad for, though. 2019. Well, what year is it? It was supposed to come out in, like, May 2019. Right. Um, and so, no, not 20. No, 2020. 2020. No? Right. No, 2019. I forget yeah. what year. But whatever. here's the thing that's interesting <laughs> oh, yeah. to me about it. So J.J. Abrams, I've, I've listened to a lot of him talking about the process for force awakens and his big thing was i need time yeah this process takes time and that's kind of the thing that they've been having trouble with they need somebody who can take control knows how to make a film knows how to make a huge successful blockbuster that's the thing a lot of these younger smaller directors even though they can do big movies this is uh, this is another scale entirely this is you know if you change your script one day 300 people are affected. Yeah. It's not a small thing. So anyway, J.J. Abrams knows how to move giant, unwieldy beasts. It's like the equivalent from driving a Fiat to driving, you know, a huge, you know, three, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a, like a big, like, 18-wheeler. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's that, it's unwieldy, it's hard to move, and you gotta know how to, like, plan ahead for turns. Right, right. It's a really good analogy, yeah, actually. Yeah, that is, yeah. That um, is. And so anyway, um, Abrams has had it, has it delayed now, and he was always saying before, he's like, if we're going to make Force Awakens, I demanded that I had, like, two years of pre-production. Yeah, you need, That's what I mean, he asked yeah, for. Absolutely. And so now that he's on, that was probably one of his caveats. He's like, you need to push this movie back. I want my full amount of time because I am not going to try to squeeze in no. something and make it wrong. So and it's obviously in good hands. Oh, yeah. It could be frustrating I mean, for fans, but well, we but haven't see, even me, seen Last Jedi see, yet. Because, so. d- like, as one of the biggest Star Wars fans on Earth, I am almost a little too overwhelmed by a Star Wars movie coming out every year. And, I mean, Han Solo is supposed to be just a few months after Last Jedi. I I like more spread out because that was always what made it fun. You know, I mean, 
granted, I grew up during the prequels, but it was still fun, like, waiting three years in between mm-hmm. because you got to anticipate it more. There was a build-up to it, and it made it more special when mm-hmm. it was, you know... if there, I don't like the idea of cramming them out as fast as I can, so I fully agree that J.J. Um, so he pushed the release back to December 2019. Which, which again, he had tremendous success releasing yeah. in the Christmas window last time. Right. So it's basically just, like, trying to make it happen again. I mean, I I'm, I'm the most weary of this Ryan Johnson one. Um, I think that one, really? I think seven was awesome. I think nine is in great hands. Yeah. I don't know how eight's going to be. Really? I'm I, really excited. Wh- yeah. What do you think? I mean, I love all his work and I think, you know, um, the big difference is that he, his and JJ's styles are very different. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think if there's anyone who, to be more, let's try to shake the foundation of the Star Wars universe, it would be Ryan Johnson and JJ is much more traditional. But do you think they're going to let him? That's why, I mean, and, I, and, and there's actually, like, Mark Hamill himself, not in a, like, hostile way, but, like, he said he had disagreements with how, originally, how the script was going, and wow. the story, Luke's story, and how that, I don't know what that means, and nor should we, because they, they have to keep that under wraps, but he did say that, that he there were a lot of conversations he had with Ryan about, he didn't think it was going in the right direction, I, but I, I'm cautiously I'm optimistic. Too curi- I'm too curious and too excited. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely curious about it. I just when I watched the trailer, it didn't show much. Well, I, but, I yeah, and well, I like that. So, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, sure. But when I watched the trailer, um, I was just like, all right, well, we'll see. I, I'm yeah. just worried. I'm, I don't know why. It's just like a, a feeling, a zeitgeist I mean, it, in like, the air. I'm just oh, a trust little, me, a I know, worried. I know the feeling. I mean, anytime it's a new Star Wars movie on this scale, like. I can't help but be like, oh my gosh, what if it's, you know. Yeah, well, but, you know, yeah. also, the first one, Force Awakens, is so excellent, and it brings in, you know, this really great new villain. Sure. And I just hope that, like, they do the and villain great right. great new heroes, too. Right, yeah, and great yeah. new heroes, too, yeah. right. Yeah. But I just really hope, especially the villain, that they get that right in yeah. this next one. It's going to be interesting to see. So, sure. I mean, what, what are they, Christmas again? Yeah. So we'll be obviously giving you our full thoughts on that. Absolutely. Um, when we get uh, further trailers, and then obviously when we see the movies. So. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I didn't read much into this story, but just on a note of, um, and actually ties into this episode, um, a horror veteran, John Landis, who directed American Werewolf in London, right. and a lot of 80s movies, he criticized Disney for firing directors like the, like because it's becoming a pattern. Yeah. Um, and so that was really interesting, too. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. it, it remains to be seen. We'll see what they do. Um, you know... It, I feel Time like I, I'm yeah. really torn because I feel like if you're gonna make these independent movies in between, not yeah. independent, but these small, these right. offshoot Smaller, movies, yeah, yeah, sure. if you're gonna make Han Solo, you're gonna make Rogue One. I think you really need to bring in these independent guys, and that's the place for sure, them. Sure, that's you a know? great because that that's something where you're playing with more, especially Rogue One, right. all like uh, new characters and so and so you can have a little more freedom and, there, and, I think. And, and, and that's the only way a cinematic universe is gonna work well. Yeah. So if you take something and you look at it like. Um, like the MCU, which is the perfect example, sure. and you have Guardians, and and, and, right, and right. Guardians is a completely different tone, and now right, right. Thor Ragnarok is going to be a completely so well. different tone because and, it takes place in the cosmic universe, and you know, and they have right, but they could have like done a, they could have done straight ahead cosmic real easily, right? They could have right, done right. not they could have not done Guardians period, right? You know right, what I mean? Right. That kind of movie, exactly. it's yeah, very yeah. different with a very unique voice, right? And so having movies that are different like that is 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 definitely important to the absolutely. success of a universe, so absolutely. Um, Anyway. So that's the Star Wars news. Um, moving on to the next story. Um, so this is where we get into tie into some of the uh, right. horror aspects. So um, now excited. before any of our listeners like shun me, just know that I've only seen the original Halloween. I apologize. So I have not delved. That's one franchise I've not delved super into. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, this story was pretty interesting. So Jamie Lee Curtis is returning to the Halloween franchise 
next year. Um, okay. And because I've only seen the original, I had to read into the story to, like, determine what... Because her character has been killed off in the franchise. But this is apparently... and. It's her the daughter. Conti- yeah, no. Um, the <laughs> whole continuity has already been plenty of... Has been convoluted for a long time Got anyway. It. But apparently this, like... It's sort of like a reboot slash sequel slash thing that it's taking place after Halloween 2. And so everything after that is non-canon right now. This is like a new... Can- and so, a new direction. Yeah, and so... So it's like uh, a choose-your-own-adventure novel occurred right, right after number two, and instead of going this way, we went this way. Pretty much. Okay. So she is still the sister of Michael Myers, and um, um, that... Spoiler alert. Because, yeah, sorry, but well, that happened in the second one. But, um Yeah, but... Um, uh, but that, I thought that's pretty interesting. I mean, you know, if you're going to continue alongside a like that, um, bringing, you know, the woman who helped make it so iconic um, is really cool playing her original character. Well, I think, I mean, even the more interesting part is the way that they're diverging. Um, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. That, that they're going to take, you know, their own universe and take actual films. Right, like, Star right. Wars did, one, was, did you know, something very controversial, and no one's ever going to be fully happy with Star Wars, no matter what decisions are made. Right. They did the thing where they said all extended universe, expanded universe stuff is not canon right, anymore. Right, right, And they opened up some of the hamstrings that would have... To develop a new canon. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so this is kind of doing that, but in a different way, because sure. it's just eliminating core films from the sure. franchise. That's really interesting. And, and you know, these are the things that have to be done. Right, right. Um, oh. You know, the only way to make a universe is to sometimes... And, and you know... In order to be a good movie, you got to make bold choices. Yeah. Deaths have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, strong character beats have to happen. Big reveals have to happen. You know, they always say, like, people sometimes when they go into, like, a TV series, for example, and they're like, well, we planned it out for five years, so season one only tells you a little bit of the story. You'll talk to really smart people, and they'll be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell everything in season one. Right, And then season right. two comes along, you'll think of something more. Right, right. But you can't hold your best shit back. Sure. Um, and so... That's why, you know, a, a series like Halloween, I don't know, I haven't watched much of it, mm-hmm. but I'm sure these big beats they had and these big deaths, like, they had to go for right, it. Right, right. But that means that if they want to go forward, they're going to have to go back. Right, right. Because otherwise, these big, bold moves that they made, rightfully so, right. um, would block any creative new direction. Sure. So, and, it's uh, interesting. So it'll be really cool. Um, so that's scheduled for um, October 2018, so next year. Um, and actually, I didn't know, the dire- I forget who's directing it, but... Co-writing it is Danny McBride, actually, which is really interesting. I love him. He's great. I, he's, I, yeah, I don't like his. Yeah. I don't like his fully comedy stuff that sure, much. Sure. I find it a little crass. But I love him as like a comedic element in yeah. a drama film, like right. an Alien Covenant. Covenant. Yeah, he was, was. He was probably my favorite part. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, yeah. Um, he's great. And they would have see survived his face, he makes if he me had happy. gone. If he had gone to the planet and left, what's his name on the ship instead? The the guy from Watchmen. Like Billy Kirkup, like if he had stayed, if they had switched places, that crew would have survived. Well, <laughs> I uh, I met um him and yeah, yeah. Um, Dan McBride um when oh, he was really? doing Your Highness, yeah, really, that, really, that, yeah, cool. um he came he came through, oh, um cool. and we interviewed him for the paper, nice, and he's uh, he's a I mean of course an incredibly cool guy, sure, I sure, mean, he couldn't be nicer, yeah, really chill, really casual, really fun, right. So, anyway, he really felt like hanging out with your buddy yeah yeah so. that's awesome um all right dude Heck all right yeah. Heck let's yeah. talk about something uh, big we're in a comic shop so let's break it down oh uh, this was good so um there's been talk about a hellboy reboot for a while and it was announced earlier this year that um originally they were trying to get del toro and pearlman were trying to do like a third installment mm-hmm. of their franchise 
they were on board for it, but ultimately it came down to Del Toro had too big a budget in mind for it oh, for it to be possible. That's really what you know. Is that so, right? You've yeah. had a lot of insight this this episode. I mean, Kevin. I've read a lot of Hellboy comics. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very and I've wanted that series to continue for a while in the as the movies. But you're just so, inside baseballing the shit out of this episode. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. So um, unfortunately, so they, they couldn't get a deal for Hellboy three Del Toro Pearlman combination. But instead, they decided Mike McNola was still intent on another Hellboy movie, so they're doing a reboot with um, David Harbour is going to play Hellboy. Um, Famous, obviously, if you don't know, for being the sheriff in Stranger Things. Absolutely. Um, and then I cannot think of the director's name off the top of my head, but he's directed episodes Game of Thrones um, and I think has a horror background. Um, so they're on board for it. Also, Ian McShane is going to play um, the professor. And, nice. so and they also, is this the one that had the whitewashing scandal? It did, yeah. So that, uh, that, that, that also yeah. isn't isn't it Kim now that's playing it? Yes. Um, so yeah, that was another Kim. big news story Ed that Skrine happened. Ed Skrine was going to um, play this character in the comics. Ed Skrine has... obviously played um, the character in the Deadpool movie, right. the bad guy Dom? No. I can't remember. Uh, the dude from the, but, yeah, the yeah, bad yeah. guy in the, the first dude, yeah, Deadpool yeah. movie who, yeah. And so he was going to play, what's the character? Play, I can't remember. I can't think of it. But okay. like, um, he was going to play a character who in the comics has an Asian, uh, is Asian-American. Um, and... He decided to back out. There was a big um, whitewashing because, scandal, because of, like things like Ghost in the Shell right, and things. Because when he signed on for the movie, he didn't know that the character was originally Asian, mm-hmm. um, and so he backed out. And now Daniel Deckham, um is going to is set to play. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so that was definitely something that also happened recently with the movie. Well, another um, thing that's really interesting too, and this takes it back. So yeah. Daniel Day Kim was involved in another whitewashing scandal. Okay. He was on uh, Hawaii Five O. Uh, okay. Um, and yeah. he was being paid less than yeah, than wow. the the white actors. Wow. Um, and he left because yeah. they couldn't get it right. And he said, "I'm out. Good um, that's it." And now, so this is like the ultimate vindication. Yeah. So he really gets cool. now brought in. Right. In the you know in in and in, he in really rectifies. appreciated Ed Skrein like pointing this out and you know making. Oh, it was, an, it it was a genius yeah, uh, political really cool. move for for Skrein. Right. Um, right. And 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 you know it's definitely good for the community. Right. Um, to do that, uh, you shouldn't. I mean, it doesn't. It does. This if this keeps on happening, like I understand if once in a while they want to recast, uh, you know, an Asian actor as an Amer- as a um, Caucasian American, that's whatever. But it if it keeps going on all the right. time, that's just that's just not right. 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 Um. You know, and so that goes beyond artistic vision into discrimination. Right. And so, but um, so it need so there need to be drastic moves made, and I, I appreciate what they've done here. Absolutely. No, it's great. Um, but all that said, so there had been all this talk about the reboot up until now. And, you know, I mean, I'm always hesitant when, you know, a movie like this is in development because it could crash at any time. And, you, you know, I want to see some proof that it's actually going mm-hmm. um, forward. And this week we got not only a release date confirmed for January 2019, but we got to see David Harbour full costume, an amazing image. He there. looks perfect. Oh, my gosh. And I would so... I was messaging a friend about it who's also a big Hellboy fan, and he's like, I can't even tell him apart from Pearlman. Like, I like, know. Yeah. and That's how I yeah, felt. Right. I mean, I can slightly only because I'm looking for right, it. Right, right. But if I saw the two of them in different scenes, no, I'd be like, that's yeah, the dude. Yeah, yeah. Which and is I think, good. Which is really good because there are certain comic book characters where, you know, I like to see different interpretations of them, and this still is. But the he's Hellboy, so out there. The Hellboy design by Mike Mignola is so iconic yeah. and so distinctive that anything that's too much of a deviation from it is going to just be weird yeah uh, even tommy it's Lee Ed- already weird right you know it doesn't need any weirder right even tommy lee edwards said at a con one time that like uh, that's always a character he's most hesitant to draw for like commission or whatever because he's just like i can't 
even come close to Mike McNola's yeah. I mean it's his it's, thing that's his thing and you know like I just feel weird drawing it yeah um, it's, it's it's so like tied in with his right. unique style right but so he had everything silly. just the red the color the gun the, uh, uh, the horns the that are a little and uneven and, oh. and, and, and and askew in just the right way and it, it, it just looks beautiful. really cool by the way um, Daniel Day Kim is going to be playing Major Ben Daimio that's right uh, who yeah. is a Japanese American military member who could turn into a jaguar when angered or in pain right that's so right. Um, but oh I mean so this has me all the more excited about this one because when I yeah, I granted I was a little disappointed back when it was announced that uh, Pearl Man and Del Toro aren't coming back but I, you know, I'm glad that it's happening, and I think this is a really good choice to um, take off the mantle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we had two great movies with Prelman and Del Toro. Um, it just, but the second one just does leave you on wanting a third one, but... Um, does it? Yeah. I haven't seen it, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you definitely should. Um, they're, but, they're both worth watching big oh, time. Absolutely. I'm yeah, probably pop yeah. the first one in when I get home. Do it. Um, um, it's still cool. on that first one's still on Netflix, and you can find the second one somewhere. Awesome. Um, but... What I really like about everything to talk about this one is it's going for a much more of a horror angle because okay. um, Del Toro has always been more like dark fantasy, but he's never been like you know super scary horror. But um, as a lot of people who watch that, what was it? Something Peak, Crimson Peak, yeah. As a lot of I Crimson, liked, I know, yeah, but but, but yeah. that was the thing that a lot of people were upset about. They, they were expecting horror and they got in the fantasy. trailers advertises like from the master of terror oh, and I'm like you suck because people can't sell dark fantasy to someone because yeah. it's too much of a niche yeah um but so i'm very excited that this is happening um and we got that first image you know still gotta wait a little while but i mean hey i'm okay if it's good i don't mind waiting well let's um on that note yes let's hope that that movie which is being done by who who's directing it i can't remember his name but, but he's it's a relative guy okay but relative rel- unknown right not, not um, yeah so let's hope not like a Del Toro. that this turns out to be a it yeah, and right. not a dark tower. Yeah, right. Oh, good one. Nice. So, good. Um, because it is that kind of thing where it you is. have a guy who could go one way or another, could make it like the next huge thing, or right. could absolutely or it could blow, fail. or yeah. it could be an hour and a half movie that based on a series that's like fifty thousand pages. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So, all right. Well, let's. So uh, did you have, did you have any other news stuff? No, those are. I mean, there was plenty of other stuff going on, but um, those are the big ones. I okay. To awesome. Um. So part two. All let's right. talk about let's it. Let's talk it. Uh, so we went on opening night, was it? Or night it was after? Saturday, yeah, Saturday like night. It, yeah. um, I saw it again yesterday. Screen, right. Um, theater was packed. Oh, my gosh. Every theater was packed. I may <laughs> even include in the show notes a picture I took. We were at a theater in Cary, North Carolina. There are 20 screens in that theater. Yeah. Uh-huh. 13 of the screens. Of I thought thir- it was over 15. But it might have been. Yeah. It might have been. At least 13 screens were playing it. Um, they so just they shut everything only, else down. There were only three other movies playing that night. They just shut everything else down. Yeah, they were just yeah. like, fuck it. Everybody wants to see it. Yep. I've never seen that. Yeah. I've been there for MCU movies. I've been there for Star I've been there for Wars. Star Wars. Did you, was it that much? It was pretty, yeah. Okay. Like, All right. Well, that, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, unbelievable yeah. takeover. And this movie is just it, it, out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it didn't even I mean, it's got a big budget, but it doesn't have a massive budget. Oh, not budget. at all. And it's um, all relative unknowns aside from Bill Skarsgård plays Pennywise. Um, all the kids are, you know, the only one that I knew coming in was Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Right, right. Oh, man, is he good. Yeah, he is. Man, oh, is he good. And he, good. amazingly yeah. able to play two different roles, so different in mm-hmm. kid personalities, sure. right? They're, one's more of a, anyway, sure. one's more funny and sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One's yeah. more like the good kid, good, right? Yeah, the good, yeah. He's basically Bill in Stranger Things, and then 
uh, Richie in this. Yeah. 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 yeah right. 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 Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about it. Um, what is your background with it? What have you known about it before this? And, and how about Stephen to, King too? Actually, well, King I've had a longer background with. I only started reading the book a little before um, the film the right? movie came out, and um, didn't really have much background with it before. Um, how does the so, book read? I, it's still really good. It's just like he did, King does draw out, so, you know, and I, I. Well, I really like the structure of the movie because um, by really breaking it up into two parts and doing just the kids' story here, and then the second movie will tell them their stories as adults. I kind of like that better. Um, with the book, it opens the same way, but then it gives glimpses into their lives as adults and then goes back. And the jumping around non-chronological non storytelling, I don't think it's the best use of that in the book. Um, Granted, I mean, the book was written long, uh, in the 80s, and so he's had... It was a, a lot, lot more, more novel back then. Right, right. Um, and so, but I mean, it reads really, I mean, very entertaining. Sure, um, sure. Oh, I've listened, I have a friend uh, who is the biggest Stephen King fan sure. I've ever met. I think I've yeah. referenced Melissa yeah, before yeah, yeah, on yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and she is, her favorite book of all time is okay, it. Yeah. Number one with a bullet. I like The Shining she, better. But, she's yeah. listened to multiple times through the book on tape and it's like 35 40 hours i mean yeah, she just I listens bet. to it straight through over and over and i was listening to it and it it just it came across the part that i heard and this is very anecdotal because i only heard a little bit mm -hmm. but it was just like very much like uh they were, the, the, the the guy who was reading the book was drawn out like the stuttering and he was just like the go go, go get the tape and go uh -huh. get the wax downstairs georgie it was that scene with the basement right right and then and then it was like uh, high ho silver and all about the bike and yeah. it, it just was very sweeping and right and, right and, and I don't know it, it was it was a lot I, right, I, I right. figured that I would I would maybe be a little bored listening to the whole thing but again this is probably blasphemy because you know some people swear by the book and say it's absolutely wonderful and I haven't read it so it's not really fair sure um, I but, mean really my my because my background with King I kind of like his literary fi fiction in some ways better than his horror I mean. Obviously, he's a horror master, but he has a collection of novellas. Um, uh, the anthology is called Different Seasons, which I own, uh -huh. and I love that one because right. um, it's got Stand the, By Me. Yeah, and it has the story that um, uh, Shawshank is based on in there. Right. And so, so the body, uh, the body is the one that that is the one that turned into Stand By Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption yep. is the Shawshank right, Redemption. Right. And what are the, the other two? Are there's one. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the title, but it's about this kid who. Um, Befriends like a, a Nazi neighbor mm. and like and it's really and it oh was that made, made a movie, movie at pupil yeah that's the one yep that's the one um that one's really good too that's amazing um, wow, seen, he, that's a hit parade that I've book, not huh? seen the movie but um the book I really like the story so um I haven't read like a ton of King honestly yeah um I've read um Shining Misery reading right. it I've read some of those stories a lot of short stories um and then. In comics, you know, American Vampire, um, which is more a Snyder thing, but King was instrumental in um, putting that book together and writes, um, like, the side stories in it. Um, and then, you know, some of the older movies and, um, you know, especially the older ones I like for a good laugh, like Children of the Corn, you know, which is just so hilariously cheesy horror. Right. Um, and so, but yeah, I'm not an expert on that. And, and I've read some Joe Hill, too. But, um. So I, so Stephen King for me is somebody that as I've grown up, he's Oh, and I've read On Writing. That, that's probably, oh, right. that's, 
honestly it might be my favorite work by him. It's uh, the book uh, of, and I, it's his it, only really work of nonfiction. Okay. Um, so my background with Stephen King is that his name has been brought up forever in my well, yeah, life. So sure. all people do is talk about Stephen King this and Stephen King that. And what year were I you remember born watching uh, 81. So, yeah. And so I remember watching um, things like the Stand miniseries. Yeah, yeah. And then the It miniseries came on TV, which I saw. I think I saw most of it back in the day. It's been so long sure, ago. Sure, sure. Um, and then this, there was the Shining film, and all of these different things that would be that would be just talked about. Like this guy is a master, and sure. then you'd meet people, and like it was either that they never read anything or they read everything. Like mm-hmm. people that are Stephen King fans are really big yeah, fans, they are, yeah. mm-hmm. and so I always just saw him as like bigger than life, as this this amazing, sure. untouchable author. Um, and and then when I would see things like the Dark Tower series, I'd just be like, wow, what an undertaking, what an amazing accomplishment to do this thing, and people just love it, and Roland, and, you know, the Man in Black, and just all these cool concepts. Um, and so, I also, at the same time, have never been a big horror fan, which will come, which will come up more when we talk about horror movies as well. I'm just not a big fan of horror, uh, I'm more of a mystery guy, Uh and when it comes to genre, um, like that and so I'll deal with like a like a mystery that's a horror mystery sure. like a nail biter for example sure, sure. Um, but when it comes to just straight up horror that only exists just to like try to scare me in the theater uh, I think I'm immune to it sure. in most cases it just doesn't scare me doesn't even jump scares I'm like, once sure. in a while they'll get me I just don't enjoy the sensation of being scared so Stephen King always for me was a little bit off for that reason right, right. however I did read The Green Mile because okay. I was really into that concept of it was released as six mini novels, mm-hmm. and and I read each one as it came out. It made it really approachable for me, uh, and I really liked that one. So that was really excellent. I've obviously read Reed Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption for a long time was my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there were things, and that was actually Richard. I think Richard Bachman was the name on that originally. Maybe it wasn't, but then he also wrote The Running Man. I mean, he's just yeah. he's so prolific and inspirational. Well, yeah, Running Man yeah. was one of my favorite horror movies. Horror slash not horror action slash sci-fi movies of mm. all time i love the running man even though it's kind of considered pretty shitty i love it um same thing with point break it's another one i love the original not the sure, new one sure. um so you know i i always just kind of thought well i would love to experience stephen king more when i have more time um but at the moment you know it always just seemed like these big thousand page books that i couldn't approach mm-hmm. um and then at the same, as I've gotten older, I've wanted to take deeper dives, which is why I was really interested in seeing the Dark Tower movie as bad as it turned out to mm, be. Um, and then when it was coming out, the buzz early uh, yeah, has yeah. just been phenomenal, uh, or was phenomenal. Um, Even before the trailer hit, it was yeah. Yeah, people were yeah. Being talked and, about. And, okay, so so let's so that's that's my background with it, but let's talk a little bit now about um, the the buzz leading up to it and the, yeah. some of the tri- the trials and tribulations. So originally this was going to be Kerry Fukunaga's film. Right. Isn't that right? Right. So he's the guy who directed um, True Detective season one. Right. Um, the good season, people say. And he still had a screenwriting credit on it. Right. And he's also the guy who did um, uh, Beasts of No Nation, which is a Netflix movie. There was a lot of controversy uh, about, I think, one of the actors in that. But regardless, mm-hmm. he was a, either a screenwriter or a cinematographer on that. Um, he's one of those guys that picks and chooses very carefully his movies. Sure. He's very auteur-like in that way. Sure. And, like, you know, all my M&Ms better be green before the show, kind of, like, auteurish. I don't know if he's dickish like that, but he's but certainly he's very, exacting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and supposedly he wanted to do the movie um, in a very different way than it was done. I think he wanted a guarantee of of, of two films. It was going to be larger. 
Um, and then obviously people listening probably know the story better than me and are thinking to themselves, damn it, he's got it wrong. But regardless, <laughs> he was going to be um, the guy. Right. And then eventually that broke down uh-huh. um, and it moved off to new hands. Uh-huh. And, and there was a lot of trouble development and different scripts. And it, it's, it's largely been considered an unfilmable book. Um, especially as a movie, considering that the only thing that ever really came out before was the It miniseries well, the uh, movie with, with that, Tim Curry. Yeah, that, okay, yeah, that, yeah, that's, what, yeah, 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 that's yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, it's like six episodes, I think. It's like a six-hour miniseries. Yeah, it no, it's like, four hours. It's four hours, I think. Yeah, and you can see it as a by the whole thing as like a movie. DVD, mm-hmm, but yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it's a, that's a little campier, a little cornier. It's very sure. 80s. Sure. There were a lot of these 80s miniseries that were made out of Stephen King books. So I'd seen that, and, you know, clowns are scary. Even to me, like, who doesn't really get scared by much. Not because sure. I'm a badass, just because I don't. Sure, sure. Um, clowns are fucking scary. Yeah, Clowns yeah. can be creepy and scary. And a lot of people are scared by clowns. I actually read a little anecdotal article about, like, the National Clown Association of America is, like, really <laughs> upset. Um, because, I've seen something about yeah, this. Yeah, because yeah. of – this is like, made people afraid of clowns and their business is down yeah, by, like, 30% to percent all or some like, shit. You know, they're just like, this isn't right. Clowns aren't scary. They're wonderful <laughs> and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, nothing you can do about it. Yeah, if you clowns made are scary, to be a clown. Yeah. Though, so I can't <laughs> you really made your bed. For you, so. you made your bed or your clown car, as it were. Right, right. Um, so, anyway – as we got closer to the movie, it started getting the buzz that it's actually really good. Uh-huh. There were people that saw early screenings of it a couple months early in what's called like a toe dip in yeah. the industry, yeah. uh, where they let you know a couple people come in and see what the critical consensus is going to be, see if they need a re-edit, reshoot, because sure, sure. um, they want to make sure that they get the best Metacritic they can. Um, and then three weeks before it came out or so, they did that new thing that's been happening lately where they let social media, uh, they let people release social media uh-huh. reviews. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like a like what's your like basic impressions without yeah. an actual review, and all of those were stellar. So right. I was like, all right, we're going, Kevin. So we sure. were like, I mean, I think we were already planning on oh, it, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but especially uh, once the the, the, buzz, the buzz was came great. Out, yeah. Um, and then you know the reviews came out; they were awesome. Right. And then we went and saw it, and this kind of takes us to now. Yeah. So and I, so I looked up the box office uh, right before it. I think as of now, this is again, this is September seventeenth. It's at one hundred seventy nine point two million. Right, that was last I checked. Which um, is which is phenomenal, especially bro- for a movie the, like this. Sure, it had the biggest horror opening weekend ever, which that's saying something because I mean I also don't, like didn't get into horror till later. Like Maurice, I wish we had Jordan on this episode because he's definitely the biggest horror buff of yeah, the three of us. For sure, I'm sure he'll do an article about this after he listens to the episode. Um, but I didn't get into horror till later. But our culture is very heavy on horror. I mean, mm-hmm. there's um, that's one of the most iconic genres um, in film. It's why you know, they pop out so many horror movies every year, yep. good or bad. Um, and, and it's so, had a resurgence in the last 10 years, sure, too. Sure, sure. With but, things like, you know, Paranormal Activity and uh, right. The Ring and shit like right, that. Right, right. And kind of hybrids like Cloverfield and stuff like that. Um, and so, it, it, but for it to have the big, I, mean, I knew it would do well and it would break, but to have the biggest horror opening weekend ever was pretty astounding for me. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean the movie is just a massive success. The director, by the way, is Andy Muschietti. Yes, he did Muschietti. Mama right um, before this, which was he did it as a short film originally, and then Guillermo del Toro helped ex- um, helped him expand it into a feature. And he that's literally it. it. It was by just yeah, was with Jessica was, Chastain right. in it. Um, that's the other thing because he wants Jessica Chastain to play Beverly in the sequel. Nice, that would be amazing. Nice. Her or Amy Adams would be perfect. So that's. It. Um, right, right, yeah. exactly. That yeah. actually, she would be really perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so and yeah, and his the director's wife also produced it. Was one of the producers. But yeah. So let's um, 
so let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Um, it was pretty awesome. It was really, really good. <laughs> I saw it yesterday again with my brother. Um, so tell me about but, your second viewing first. Yeah, I mean, I think the first one was a little better just because it was the, you know, the adrenaline. You didn't, I mean, even though I knew the basic story, like, um, it was a little more enthralling the first time. Um, but still really good the second time. So oh. it's, uh, for people that don't know, and you probably do, but it is a coming-of-age story about uh, kids living in a town, Dairy, Maine. Mm-hmm. There is a evil, shape-shifting alien named It. It comes around every so often. Every, every 27, 27 years. years mm-hmm. um, to kill kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this movie explains why it's kids. Mm-hmm. It's probably explained in the thing more. Yeah. Um, and actually, I understand that in the book, there's more of a whole, like, other dimensional aspect yeah, and, and stuff a, yeah. that that apparently they're going to fo- focus on more in the second movie. Sure. Um, but anyway, these kids uh, start. Well, first of all, the big instigating action is um, the main character, whose name is what, Bill. Bill. Yeah. Bill. His Bill his brother um, Georgie, Georgie. Denbro um, is, and I think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Really I know is. it's really iconic, but like when you first get introduced in that movie to. Pennywise, I still find myself walking around my house wanting to quote it. Hiya, Georgie. Hi, Georgie. Hi, Georgie. And then he's just like... Ooh, uh, popcorn. Yeah. And then the part, yeah, right. and the part's like, yeah. don't you want your boat? Yeah. It's just so creepy and Chilling. endearing. And I love that it's like just happy enough. It's like, it's almost like this alien, he gets just far enough to where it would fool a kid. Yeah. Like yeah. the teeth are still sharp. Yeah. You know, they're not quite refined. And the eyes are still scary. Right. It, it's just the perfect. And the makeup is just perfect. It's spot I mean, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they nailed it Absolutely. in this. And that performance is so Bill good. Bill guard like that. And that's the other thing. So he came, um, have you seen Hemlock Grove? That's Hemlock Grove, remind me. It's a Netflix series. Oh, so no, 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 okay. no, 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 So that was sort of like, I mean, he had had a lot of roles before this, but you know, he's one of Stellan Skarsgård's sons. Um, but <laughs> him, yeah, well, they are, it's a huge acting family. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, but that was sort of the, what m- he was most known for prior to this. Right. Um, and that's what kind of put him on a, a, the map. And, um, but so I have not watched them like Grove and yeah. I don't know most of his earlier work, but, um, but yeah, he's just so good just, in this role. Oh. And so, so it, he, he straddles that line between like a likable clown right. and like this evil monster so well. Right. And then he's like, don't you want your boat? And it's just like, I almost would reach in there if Bill's I was gonna five. Kill Bill's going to kill you if you don't get it back. He's going to get your boat. Yeah. And just the way he talks, the performance yeah. is perfect, and it's surreal, and it's got this 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 eminence to it. I, mm-hmm. It's just so well done. Right, so right. I think, to me, the, the film is – foundation is built on how good – obviously, the, there's two parts. It's mainly the kid ensemble and, right. and, and Bill Skarsgård as right. that role. And obviously, those are the two elements, but – if either one wasn't really on point, it wouldn't work. And I think 50% of that movie is driven by that performance. Right. And how good it is. Um, literally. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyway, the movie becomes um, this story about them being, you know, sort of trying to find out what happened to Georgie. Other kids go missing. And then Bill and then this other kid um, who's been doing a bunch of research on the subject. Ben. Ben. Yeah. Um, sort of get together with this, you know, ensemble that forms. Right. Called the Losers Club of, mm-hmm. you know, outcasts. Right. Who are all being targeted by it in different ways, get mired in it. Uh, in, 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 and they also have difficult home lives and bullies and right. And so all the just, normal coming-of-age stuff. And, the, and but I was just impressed by how well it balanced that out, the coming-of-age elements and – um, making them feel really, making you feel a lot of empathy for the kids. And, right. Um, it feeling really, really fresh, and also 
um, just doing everything, all the horror elements, right. so spot on. Well, it had it had an authenticity to it. Um, the the relationships that they had, the way that when you see those kids interacting, they don't interact in the way that like adults think kids interact. They right. they, they curse and they make dirty jokes and and they just do it in an awkward way that you would normally really that kids really are like you recognize sure. your own childhood in them um and and anyway though so so they have to sort of you know combat this force sure. and and that's what they end up doing um and then that's the you know what the confrontation is throughout the movie what's interesting about the movie is that it sets up um the second film very clearly by the end so the movie's just called it when you see the the screen at the yeah. beginning of the movie and obviously when you um uh, when the credits roll right it pops up as it chapter one at the very end yeah. right and so it, it it is only part one of two mm-hmm. um and so we're gonna then see what it's like 27 years later right. when it comes back for the parents right and also they announced that um they are gonna u- still use the kids for flashback scenes in nice the movie, so really nice well they're going i mean they're obviously going right into development sure. and uh so one of the things that's interesting that i've read about this movie is that there were that one of the challenges they faced was budget. So it, yeah. it's a movie that they made on a pretty tight budget, mm. um, and there were aspects of the interdimensionality of of, of it and uh, the real um, supernatural aspects that sure. they just couldn't go into. And so he just said, "I could burn up half my budget showing this other dimension, or I could not do it." And then and so that is something that when the movie two comes, knowing how well this one did, oh, yeah, they're going to be able to go into that wholeheartedly. And that's important because this movie answers a lot of what you'd want to know about it and mm. what you want to know about these kids and the mysteries of the origin and all of that right, kind of stuff. Right. So if they don't go like really new places in the yeah. second one, it could feel like the same movie but with adults. Sure, sure. And so that's going to be an interesting challenge and one that I think a larger budget is going to help them um, And I think it does just a good enough job setting up that other dimensional aspects um yeah especially at the end when you know they have their final confrontation with pennywise and they're in the sewers and um you see this image of all the kids that he's captured um that are floating up in the air and in yeah. this translucent state at the, um, at the same start, yeah so that's what that is because i because i've been wondering like they talk about you'll float too and this is yeah. like the big tagline that, yeah, of the movie yeah. but none i have no idea what that means right and by and the I, end of this like movie that, we don't know right and i like that that it's still it, it gives us you know a taste but doesn't go into all those answers yet and will i think has a lot of room to explore that in the sequel which is good which yeah. is definitely good um so let's talk about we talked about bill skarsgård and how excellent he yeah. is and, and his his i don't know how much of the stunts he did but the acrobatics yeah. of that character are great and the cg of pennywise too when he goes into his monstrous form is really great too. i mean i just that role that performance especially though yeah. when he just plays the straight up clown oh, sure, is sure. just it, it's a masterpiece um and then let's talk about the ensemble of the kids sure. Um, Who's your favorite? I think I feel like Richie is everyone's favorite, but yeah, he's pretty great. Yeah, Richie's um, probably the best. Ben is maybe my favorite. Yeah, Ben. Awesome. I love yeah. Ben because I'm kind of that guy who takes deep dives into things sure, and just sure. gets completely mired in something, and you know, it becomes more important to me to just like find out everything about a subject, sure, sure. and so I can relate to him really well. I think the character I like the most is is Bill, and, yeah, and rightfully yeah. so. He is sure. the hero of of the piece, and he is the one who's driven and won't and won't. Um, right. Absolutely won't. There's no plan B. Right. All right. there is going to be is 
we have to make this happen, and that's it. Right, right. Um, and I love that aspect of him. He's do or die. And sure, he's just sure. like, we're going in. And he's a leader, and he brings his friends together, and, and he's the unifying force. And then his relationship with Bev is phenomenal. Absolutely. And I love that they sell it harder here. Now, my understanding is, and this is an interesting thing to broach upon, so this movie, and, and we're just talking spoilers, it's, but these things aren't that, that's not what the yeah. movie's about. Um, but at the end, they make a pact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a blood oath, which is very awkward to watch. They cut their hands open with glass, and yeah, they all, yeah. like, form a circle and make a blood oath yeah, yeah. Um, that if and when it ever comes back, they will um, come come back together wherever mm-hmm. they are. They'll yeah. come back into town and they will kill it. Right, right. Um, in the book, this does happen, but it's preceded by a child orgy. Yeah. Um, so, And what really is disturbing about that is there's one girl. Yeah. So it's Bev. It's a gang orgy. It's Bev has sex with all of them. And while that's nice and disturbing for a Stephen King book, and I've heard him defend it... um, I don't want to watch that. A, I don't want to watch it. It's way worse to see. Yeah, no. B, it really cheapens... The, the blood really, oath. Well, oh. that, no, with her and her dad. Oh, yeah, yeah which and yeah. you don't even have to really see it, and it's right, still very right. painful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the... the the relationship that gets to develop, sort of the triangle between her, Ben, and uh, Bill, mm-hmm. is really good, and and it would ruin that if Absolutely. she just had sex with everybody. Right. Um. Right. Not to mention they're so young. You know, they're it's young just, it just no, I, it, it yeah. wouldn't have worked. Especially, I, in, it, I was very very glad about that as well. Um. And and what that left room for was this amazing relationship between her and Bill that right. I just loved the awkwardness, but also the, the the. I, I don't know. It was just it was so good, and it yeah. was it was about these these kids being laid bare in front of one another. Right. You didn't need an orgy for that. You know. Well, it, that's kind of in ways I like the movie a lot better, just because it doesn't go excessive with it. Like it, I mean, it's uh, um crazy horror, but um and you know you have to see glimpses into their lives and all this these things. But that's the thing with King. He got he can be very excessive. He even just in the book in descriptions of dairy, it gets like. Oh, reading through that is just Well, don't like... start reading Game of Thrones, Kevin. <laughs> no, I know. I've read the first couple, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, then <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, I know. Um, um, but anyway, but I, I just... I am glad they left that out, yeah. I, I feel like that relationship that she has with him and then sure. the one with Ben, and I and I obviously like really relate to Ben in that. I'm sure, just sure. like, man, that's so... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so uh, tough. I can, I can relate a lot to Ben, and then probably Eddie was most me as a kid, like talkative, but like... I was like, you know, health issues and stuff. and like. Oh, yeah. Better. And so... Um, and but, he's cool. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. He's super cool. Every yeah, yeah. one of the characters has... An, something to relate to. Has an aspect to relate yeah. to and also aspirational. Like, I almost wish I was more like this guy in this way. Exactly. More like that one in that way. Right, right. I love Ben's poetic side. Right. Um, so I think he's probably my favorite character now that I'm now that I'm cogitating on the subject right, right, specifically. Right. Um, but I love Bill also. I, I think I want to be Bill and I think I want to... I think I'm more like Ben. Yeah, you know? that's I think, that's I think kinda... everyone wants to be Bill because everyone always wants to be, you know, the leader and like. Yeah. But, but I know I wouldn't be that brave if I were that. <laughs> that's definitely not. Um. But yeah. So. Excellent. Um. Excellent. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, let's see. And then, what do you think of um of Bev's performance, the actress, and all of that? Oh gosh, I mean, she was perfect. Um, uh, you know, I mean, all the whole ensemble is great, but that. Beverly especially, um, I don't know the actress name off the top of my head, but um, she did such a good job. What a um, hard thing a, to do, to hold oh your own gosh, amongst to, six like, other guys. Well, that, and then having to like portray the abusive relationship with her father, which so well. I'm glad we don't have to see any of it, but still, like, um, you know, we are made aware that it's going on, and um, she just, every little nuance in her performance was perfectly executed. Um, 
Her and... name is Sophia Lillis. Okay. And what, what's She's really... She is, I know. <laughs> yeah. What's really good about her character, too, is... At first, you see her, and you're like, man, this is, she's cute, and, and she's like, you could see why, you know, like, Bill would get obsessed with her, and yeah, Ben, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to see her, like, you know, shredded emotionally in all these situations, mm-hmm. and you understand what's going on, it's really interesting to have one impression of a character, and then have it change over time. Sure. Sure. Um, so at first, she's like this kind of, like, cute outsider, and then later, she's really damaged, and you yeah. learn that about her, and it just really, it, the depth there is great. Yeah. And what I think is interesting about this movie is... Movies like this, coming-of-age stories where there's bullies and outcasts and nerds and all that kind of shit, yeah. are so played out. Sure. They're so done. Sure. And 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 while this movie doesn't, like, break, you know, groundbreaking new ground no, no. on the subject, yeah. it does it in a way that I never felt was cliched. And I never felt I was, like, dis- like bored or, like, where's this going or, like, yeah. I didn't give a fuck. Like, I right, often do right. in situations like that. It's just everything in the movie is handled so deftly. It's just really amazing. And I just find myself just enjoying all yeah. of it. I think a little bit of it went on a little long. Um, there were certain scenes, like, about two-thirds of the way through the movie right before they get to the final outcome. I yeah. thought it was a little dragged out. I could have used a little cutting there. But generally speaking, it's flawlessly oh, yeah. cut for no boredom. Right, right. Um, and that's – and, like – it spreads out like the attack scenes just enough um but you know keeps you enthralled the whole time and wanting to know what's happening next feeling really invested in these characters about the cinematography and effects were great it's just every element is really well um put together it really is yeah the directing is 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 phenomenal i'm just amazed that 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 such a a young director in terms of his body of work is able to produce something this this excellent sure um and boy am i excited and people didn't really like mama so like i i haven't seen it yet but um that one it wasn't you know a hit by any means interesting yeah interesting well hey it it showed something to somebody to give him this chance um but i i'm just i'm just amazed at it and i'm dying to know like the 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 lore details like i want to know more about like why they float and what's up with the balloons and 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 what world was she in when she had their eyes rolled back and what exactly is pennywise sucking off these kids is he sucking their fear Mm -hmm. is that what he eats Mm -hmm. does he eat their bodies like what's the deal and once all that lore stuff is delved into in the second film i just think i'm going to be going crazy for it and then adult actors is going to be really interesting and then they'll be it'll be built out by the knowledge of what their kid version was like i mean it's just it has the makings like the first part is is as good as it could pretty much be for the kind of movie it was and then the second part has the way has the ability to make this like one of the best horror duologies are just best yeah you know two films sure sure you know ever i mean yeah. it really is if they if they nail uh number two it, it could it could be on my list of of favorite movies yeah, at yeah. some point i mean i just really like it sure um how was it watching i know i already sort of asked you this but how was it watching it the second time did it ever get a little bit tedious did it ever get to the or did you see new things um, um I did, yeah i don't i didn't see anything like strikingly new um from what i heard i you know there's always like king references they put in i think more like, like the turtle were, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right because apparently there's there an interdimensional others. turtle yeah, in the yeah, book yeah. and right, so right. the little lego turtle i wasn't really holds. looking that hard for those but it was totally fun the second time but um it, again it was only a few days after the time seen it the first time um so yeah no, i didn't see anything striking i just new. can't believe how creepy fun. it is when, when he's just like i'm pennywise yeah, yeah. the dancing clown yeah now we're not strangers anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. are we Oh, it's so crazy. It it's so good. It really oh, is. my God. He nailed that. My brother loved it. So, oh, yeah. did he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does bear noting. Um, Did you see Jordan's tweet? 
Yeah, he, he didn't did it. love it. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's like, he's like, I was glad I saw it and it was entertaining, but um, overall, kind of okay. Like, wow, yeah, I was, was really, really surprised. I really was too, because that's you know. Yeah, um, that was that was surprising me. I thought this would be everything he'd love, especially considering I know he likes coming of age stories, I mean, coming and like, of age, like thirteen reasons why. He's and... a horror buff, but he also had a similar reaction to Stranger Things. He's like, eh, it was okay. But interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, well, one day when we have him back, we'll uh, we'll ask. Oh him. yes, that'll absolutely. be that'll be fun. Um, all right. Well, on that note, what'd you say overall? Like eight, five, nine. Yeah, I'd say nine. Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. give it a nine too. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was fantastic, and like I said, I'm not a huge horror movie fan. So sure. on that note, um, let's move on to our... part three. Dun, da, da, da. Our favorite our... horror movies. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as I said earlier, we're gonna do a top three. Um. And some honorable mentions. I think this should be interesting because I, I think we'll all have to, we'll both have different yeah. picks. So well, horror is a huge surprised. genre that spans a yeah. whole long period, and 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 really, what is a horror movie is hard to define. And yeah, and, and, and one of my picks is more it kind of mesh of several genres. And but, obviously, yeah. there's there's psychological horror, there's sure. body shock horror, there's there's uh, you know supernatural thrillers, sure. there's um, serial killer movies. I mean, you name it. Oh, right, it could right, be right, horror. Right. So it'll be really interesting to see what we pick. And on that note, I want to hear your number three pick. Okay. So my number three, I did. I knew I was going to pick a zombie movie on here at some point because, um, you know, I've seen a fair. I'm not like everyone, but looking at Romero and then um, someone in the 21st century. So I had to pick it down to what is my favorite one. Um, and you know, really, I. I probably my favorite one a movie that has to do with zombies, but um, is more horror comedy. It's mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead. Um, but as far as my straight up favorite horror zombie movie, it'd be Dawn of the Dead. Um, so that's my favorite. That's a solid pick. Favorite Romero film. Um, uh, fit out of the I consider like Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead the original like Dead trilogy. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know there are other ones in that like he did Land of the Living Dead and. Um, a few others in that are still in that franchise, but those three are the kind of like top tier um, of Romero's work for me. And Dawn is just the most interesting one for me. Um, it's got it builds on everything the first one does, expands it. Um, it opens in this brilliant sequence in the newsroom where basically the world's going to Armageddon and everyone's freaking out and um, there's reports everywhere because um, in the first movie it's very contained. It takes place in this one house. It uh, we don't see the wider picture yet um whereas dawn of the dead goes and it you know watching it by today's standards people probably some people are gonna be like oh what i've seen this a million times that's because it it created those troops absolutely tropes yeah um so if you know things about zombie movies that you now say wow that's what a zombie movie is it it determined what those would be absolutely um and so of course most of the movie takes place in a mall um where all the characters are trapped there um with the undead coming out of uh and attacking them and it's just so brilliantly done from everything from the camera work the music the performances um it's just you know it romero took his indie roots and he was given a bigger budget for this one and just knocked it out of the water for um what's the basic premise that they're trapped in a mall first (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) that's it well i mean they you again you open up the newsroom sequence and um, you know, you see some of the soldiers and, um, they're getting chat and they flee back to the mall as a safe zone, but, um, it also introduces, introduces the idea of, like, you know, human groups fighting each other in the apocalypse because they encounter this biker gang toward the end that it's kind of a trope you see in Walking Dead, too, um, 
where like you have these outsiders coming that are wanting to get in because they um because yeah they're using the mall as a safe zone um and they have outsiders coming in they don't want to let them in there are so many movies about zombies hitting up a mall dead rising is a video game series all about that yeah and none of those would happen without Dawn of the Dead. So, that's, that's awesome. Um, but just, and the, the makeup and effects of that time, um, also fitting because, you know, George Romero passed away this year. Right. Um, and I got to, and actually the Carolina Theater of Durham um, screened Night of the Living Dead that week after wow. he passed away. And so that was really cool seeing it on the big screen. Um, but Dawn remains my favorite of the series. It's just, you know, um, I don't know. I just love Ruzin at any time because um, it's got every shot is just so well framed and orchestrated and it leads to a big climax at the end and um again by today's standards you're not going to find anything revolutionary in the plot by today's standards but it was totally terrifying for that time and i still love it as a 21st century viewer awesome awesome cool um all right so my uh number three pick um, and, and, and my list is by no means definitive because yeah, like, I'm yeah. not the hugest horror fan sure, of sure. all time, but I'm going to pick some films that I really like from sure. the horror genre. And one of those is Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a really good movie. I, I love a, a mystery. I love a thriller where I don't know what's going to happen. Sure. Um, and this one just really kills it because of all the great performances. Sure, so sure. I really love uh, it's, it's John yeah. Goodman in yeah. that movie. Mm-hmm. He's just so <sighs> – Heart, heartfelt. Yeah. Like he's not trying to hurt people. Like he, he really thinks he's helping. And there's nothing scarier than a big, strong guy who's doing horrible things, but thinks he's doing right. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- there's nothing scarier because, like, imagine there's this killer coming towards you. You don't hate him. Yeah. But, and you can't connect with him. He's unconnectable. Mm-hmm. You can't reach him. And yeah. so to me, he's as scary as a Jason Voorhees or a Freddy coming after sure. you because he's just as dangerous, and yet he's doing it in the name of apparently love, which yeah. makes it all the more horrifying and scary. I love the girl in it. I love that Mary dude. Elizabeth in it. Yeah. Love her yeah. from ever since um, um, uh, Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. everything else she's been in. She's sure. great. Um, she was in a really weird like Aliens in the White House TV series like last year, um, and then you know she was in this and I mean she's very cute she's very strong at the same time, yeah. um, and then that guy she sort of buddies up with and then what happens to him is so horrific and it's just it, it's great yeah it's just oh, a it's really good movie uh, I don't love yeah last year. yeah I don't yeah. love love the ending I could care less that it's a Cloverfield movie but as a movie uh, as like a horror psychological thriller man is it good well and I think I talked about this on the podcast before. It was originally yeah. an original screenplay oh, yeah. that, you know, they um, slapped onto a franchise because it was and so I'm better. And I'm glad they and, did. You know, that, yeah. my oh, hope, no, though, is that did. because it did so well, and, and we are seeing, I mean, as evidenced by Get Out and Baby Driver, I think, being original studio pictures that did really well this year, I'm hoping studios will take notice of that and say that, yes, you can still make original movies today. Yep. Um, it doesn't have to be a budget. cinematic universe. Right, right. It doesn't have to be a $350 million no. movie. Uh, it doesn't have good... to have Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, American Made, fucking, sure. you know. Uh, uh, I, the one that really drives me fucking crazy is Biostorm or whatever oh, it's called. Geostorm. It, Geostorm. Yeah. This is a fucking movie if you guys don't know, <laughs> if you haven't seen the trailer a thousand times. It is about – so, like, you know how there's, there's like, um, like uh, weather horror. Right. So right. it's Disaster like movies. like Armageddon or yeah. – 
or um, the the earthquake or 2020 or whatever. It, and all yeah, all yeah, that yeah. shit where yeah. it's like, oh, no, there's a hurricane coming. It's going to fuck shit up. We better, like, band together and, yeah, and yeah. protect ourselves. Well, that wasn't enough, apparently. Yes, now it's the future, <laughs> and we have created weather machines. And unfortunately, the weather machine is attacking us, I think. Yeah. And so, like, there's, like, a machine that creates wind and lightning, and it's, like, turned on us. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, like, weather was not enough of an enemy. Now they have to have, like, AI weather machine. Oh, Oh, my God. Geostorm is the dumbest piece of shit I've ever heard of. Yep. I agree. Anyway, rant over. No, I agree. Um, But, yeah, so that's a really good example of something that, um, I think it, personally, I think it would have done just as well if it had just been, I think it was originally called The Cellar. Um, yeah. but regardless, I'm glad it did really well, and well, I it, don't think attaching to a franchise ruined it by any means, because no. it was still, um, very believable. I think all that they, mattered was that there was, a, it, it had to be some threat outside yeah, the bunker. Yeah. It didn't matter what that threat sure, was. Sure, sure, And so, if they want to choose this as the threat, and, and, yeah, and so make her heroic by the end, that's fine. Another thing that's great about it, you just reminded me of it inadvertently, is her backstory that creeps out yeah, over time and yeah. who she was and what happened. Right. That stuff's fascinating. Right. And, and you get that in such a well-paced out way. Right, It's right. just a great movie. Oh, it's like I rewatched it not too long ago on Amazon. But awesome. But I got to see it in theaters as well. Cool. Cool. What's your number two, buddy? All right, my number two. So this is a one that's a little more genre hybrid. Um, It's not, like, super scary, but it is pretty... I mean, it's a gruesome movie. I'm disqualifying um, it. it. <laughs> I'm disqualifying it. It's not genre enough. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, it is gruesome. It is a dark fantasy. I have a poster of it in my room. Uh, can you guess it? No. Okay. Pan's Labyrinth. Um, oh. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, this is can, just one of my... Can you believe I haven't seen that? Is it that good? It. Yeah, we gotta fix this. Yeah, so wait, so you... What have, have you seen, like, anything by Del Toro? Not really. Oh, we gotta fix this. Yeah, so um, I, I've seen... What has he done? So he's done Pan's oh, Labyrinth. Boy, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim. That's what I, you guys, that's what I love. He kind of goes all over the place. Um, Kronos. Um, what? Crimson Peak. What the hell is Kronos? It's a. It's one of his earlier ones with and that's Ron Perlman. Um, and yeah, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Any of um, talk. I'm, but yeah, I'm, I'm a sad excuse but for a film fan. It's okay. Um, but Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, so I was first. I first heard of it when I was in like. I think I was like eight. Wait a minute, is grade. this the one that's like a Nazi allegory? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, um, there's this. Am like, I gonna get dude, preached at? No, no, not okay, at all. Go. No. Oh no, you're gonna have a, a fun time. It's a, it's like a, it's a dark fantasy where it takes place during the Spanish Civil War. This um, young girl is brought um, with her mother to um, with her stepdad while this war is going on, and yes, he is a um horrible fascist um and and he gets what um, he fucking deserves that's yeah, the thing but, too it has nothing i just want to make it clear no, what like, i said I mean, what i said sounded whack but what i mean to say no, is it's it's, not it's a, horrible to like revisiting the holocaust for me is yes. very unpleasant just because it's so horrific it's, but it's see it's not really like yeah. it's just he's just a fascist but it's okay. not like that's fine um no it's not that's fine like so we can see him get like, his fucking deserved come up right sounds right good. yeah yeah sounds good. um but I'll basically she while she's there um you know with their stepdad and um her mom's pregnant she stumbles upon a labyrinth that um and she meets this fawn and um she has a to fawn? go on yeah and it's this what's like, a fawn like a, 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 a go um kind of hybrid like oh, okay you see have you ever seen chronicles of narnia or the books mm-hmm, oh, yeah. so they have you know tumness is a fawn but like okay. um but there they make him look you know very human with pan's labyrinth del toro wanted him go more into the mythological roots of what a fawn looked like okay. and so it's much more wow you sound like you read up on this shit yeah but yeah I mean I, I was, so it's I, one of your favorite I, movies ever ever and 
I was first introduced to it in like I didn't see it then, but I was I first heard about it when I was like seventh or eighth grade. I remember we were doing Midsummer Night's Dream for our um, theater production that year, and my drama teacher, um, she's like, I'm not recommending this because it's a very hard R-rated movie, and like I'm not recommending you see this. But have any of you seen Pan's Labyrinth? <laughs> and some of my friends were like, I love that movie. Right. Like, and she's like, Oh my, this is kids. Yeah. yeah. But she was these days. She was referencing it because of the costumes and everything, and. Um, and it tied in very well with what, the kind of puppetry work we were doing for Midsummer. Right, right. Um, and it, I mean, it is the one of the most gorgeous movies you'll ever see. Um, the costumes, the effects, everything is just so majestic. Um, mm-hmm. And the soundtrack. So I think I first saw it, it might have been the following year. I think oh, I was yeah. in high school. Did you know that in Spanish it's called The Labyrinth of the Fawn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, go ahead. I've read the screenplay too. So that, oh, that, my that, God. That's how All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's this like, amazing dark fantasy adventure where yeah she um goes on this like three-step journey and um has to restore this kingdom and you know it's so it's very much like you know that poster reads a fairy tale for grown-ups because it's nice it's, it's just like that um sounds a little Neil Gaiman-esque yeah oh gosh yes I mean yeah, that's my dream is for Del Toro and Gaiman to collaborate on something oh wow um but um and then while that story is going on um there's also the story in the real world and um, you know, you have to, uh, you follow her fascist stepdad and all that, and then they collide at the end, and, uh, it's just so brilliant, but, um, so it, it, like, um, but it is very, I mean, it's meant to be, like, like I said, Del Toro does dark fantasy, so it's meant to be very creepy, and there are some incredibly gruesome parts in it, um, and all these monsters, and, um, it's not meant to be jumping out of your seat horror, right. but it's very gross and creepy at that, and, um, definitely not meant for kids. But it's just so good. I don't, like this one. I cannot sing enough praises. I thought about moving it to my number one. It was just, but um, definitely. I mean, it's in my top ten movies of all time. Wow. Um, but um, another from my favorite horror. But um, uh, but yeah, it's just I cannot recommend it enough. I mean, I gotta um, see it. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. It's really well, fun like too, mine. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh awesome. I mean, cool. Yeah. Um, do you have Blu-ray? No, you don't. You have the no, I saw the DVD. Mm, that's cool. I may have. To, well, they actually released a. Criterion Collection with Pan's Labyrinth, Kronos, and I forget the one of Del Toro's other earlier movies. Oh wow! As a Blu-ray box set. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah. You may have to jump yeah, on that bad yeah, boy. Yeah. All right, um, my number two. You ready? Yep. Misery. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. So again, when I was growing up, there were a lot of Stephen King movies. Yeah. Things like Needful Things sure. and The Stand and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Shawshank Redemption, I loved. So, Misery. I always wanted to be a writer. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so this one really <laughs> st- sticks, struck home with me. So it's obviously about... Did it make you change career paths? <laughs> no, no, but it could very well do that, right? Um, it is about... I think it's a horror writer. I was like 13 or 14 when I saw he, it. I've read the book. Um, it's... Well, no, it's more mysteries. Like it's it, James it's Wood. Like, yeah, it's, he's, it's like... He's basically like a... Um, uh, yeah, he's I mean, like, like a, a James, James Patterson, Patterson type. It's very yeah. much James Patterson, like not like a well-known author, but has a devoted fan base. But right. he's not, you know, like a super literary like right. master. But but he's but he's talented. Right, right, right. right. So anyway, he uh, writes mystery novels about right. a character named Misery. Right, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And uh, finally, at the end of the series, he decides to end it, and he kills Kill off the main yep. character in the book. Well. The biggest super fan ever, Kevin's smiling as I talk about this, and it's true, it is really cool, um, 
the biggest super fan ever is played by Kathy Bates mm-hmm. and probably her best role of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, she plays an obsessed super fan who comes to the house and basically insists, no, misery can't be dead. Mm-hmm. This can't happen. So it's about fandom. It's about obsession. It's about passion. It's about uh, literature. Sure. It's about all those things in a brilliant way. Basically, she comes there and terrorizes him, hacks off his limbs and fucks him up mm-hmm. until he writes misery back to right. life. Right. Um, it's horrifying. The concept to me of being strapped down in a bed, forced to write with an axe-wielding maniac who really just loves your work that much is just – it's a great concept. Yeah. The performances are magical. James Caan and uh, Kathy Bates, yeah. And I just – I remember as horrific as it is, I was having a blast the whole time I was watching it. It's so scary. It's so fun. It's so – it's such a good, like, psychological trip. Right. Have you seen the movie? Uh, yeah. And it's actually one my parents have seen. They've, like – they never watch any kind of... The mm-hmm. only movies like that they ever discuss are Misery and um, what's the one about the um, character cheats on his wife and um, and his ex comes out. Fatal so Attraction. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That's also That's really good. That's the only like kind of character they ever talk about because yeah, mm-hmm. they're not... In, yeah, the, there was a certain yeah, era yeah. where these were movies everybody went to see. Right, right. Like, I remember my parents who didn't go... Who, like weren't like into this kind of yeah, thing like yeah. basic instinct came out and they had to go see right, that. that was right. like a thing people saw right right um this misery was another one it's like this is a movie you go to sure, you just sure. go sure. um and fatal attraction was another one you know where, where my mom isn't like into erotic thrillers yeah but she's gonna see that one right because right. it was just the zeitgeist at the time you go see movies like that and they were like what eight movies a month or less yeah, you yeah. know it was way different than it is now um so anyway, I love Misery. I just I, I need to see it again because it's been so long since yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. But I remember loving it. And actually, my number one little teaser um, is incredibly um, uh, long ago for me. I've only, I've only saw it once, and mm-hmm. I refused to see it again. I was like real young, like okay, twelve, yeah, yeah. and I won't see it again because the memory of it is better than it can ever be. Wow, you okay. know, uh, um, and I loved it. But that, anyway, little teaser. So okay. does that mean we're both at number one? Yeah. So in that case, in that case, honorable cool. mentions, right. hit it up. So I got a few. So one I had just thought of before. Um, actually, while you were talking about Tim Cloverfield Lane, I was talking about this. Um, so it came out on Netflix, I think, last year? I think it was last Uh-oh. year. Okay. Um, but Hush. Have you seen it yet? No. So it's about a woman who um, it plays on the whole classic Kevin the Woods, Sierra Killer um, thing. But um, it's about this woman who is deaf and mute. Um, and she's a writer, and she lives out here, and, um, this serial killer comes to terrorize her, and so, for, like, the first few minutes, she doesn't even know he's there. Oh, because man. Of, and it's, a, and, like, um, it's this, like, cat and mouse game between them the whole time, and the killer is actually played by John Gallagher Jr., who's the, um, in 10 Cloverfield Lane, he's the goofy guy. Who oh. And so it's, and the, both of them came out that year, and in one, you know, he's the, like, um, the, like, her friend and all that and a lot of the um one of the uh, the like guy the you think is going to turn out to be a bad guy but doesn't right, right. and then and here yeah, he's the you know the michael myers Ugh. and so it's so good is but it like, really yes. oh yes it's oh, a, i gotta see it um you know i mean not a lot of dialogue of it because she can't speak right right but there's like, no point right. um but it was directed by the guy i think he did um oculus which was in a I've not seen, but it was another horror movie from mm-hmm. recent years. Mm-hmm. He directed it, and he co-wrote it with the actress who plays um, the main character. Awesome. And oh, it's so good. So it's a Netflix original. Um, uh-huh. like, I, I don't know why. I don't know why it wouldn't. It would have been a good theater release, but I guess he just struck a good deal with it. I mean, because it wasn't. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a terribly high budget or anything. It didn't need to be, but um, 
and the you know the actress is relative unknown um and it's a very small cast but oh it's so good so that's one i highly recommend nice um, nice it was uh okay here it is um the actress that looks like kate siegel maybe yes and john gallagher jr's in it oh yep. my god this looks good it's directed by mike flanagan that's the one yeah the one uh, it's a million dollar budget yeah. Um, let's see here. The film was produced, uh, had its world premiere at South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah. 2016, that was released in April of last year. Sure. Got it. So that's one. Definitely check out on that. Oh, place. dude, that looks um, good. Are there any surprises in it? Yeah. I mean, like, a, you know, it. most of it is about its execution and everything, mm-hmm. but it's just, I mean, it's a brilliant concept. To awesome. Play with on the, uh, awesome. Um, so that was one. Um, I was at an American Werewolf in London. Um, that well, newer one? No, no. The, with the Bush was, song? No, no. There were there were there. So that's the the news story I was going to mention earlier, but I wanted to save for this. So yeah, American Werewolf in London is a classic horror comedy hybrid from uh-huh. the eighties, and um, written and directed by John Landis, and um, it really does a good job playing on the classic werewolf movies and doing all this stuff. Um, so there's been talks for a remake for a while now, and most recently Max Landis signed on to write it. Um, who was John Landis's son? Get this though, John Landis advised him against it. Like he doesn't want like so. You know how wow. like a lot of times when, especially when you remake a classic like that, um, all the fans are crying out, "Don't do it! You suck!" Like uh, leave the original alone. And so Max Landis signs on to write it and is in, possibly in talks to direct as well. His own father, who is the creator of the original, has said, "Don't do it." Um, the one, I, that was fascinating. The one I was day. thinking of with the Bush soundtrack in it is American Werewolf in Paris. The that's, okay, that's sequel. sequel. Is yeah, it yeah. shitty? I've never seen it. That's and I've heard it's terrible. But yeah. Okay. Um, I don't even know if Landis had anything to do with it. He may. I don't have, think but, so. I don't see anything. Oh um, yeah, characters by John Landis. That's it. Yeah. That's all you get. No, you. I mean, you don't need a sequel. That's all or you get. That. It's perfectly good standalone. It. Um. Their the makeup is brilliant in it. Um. It's really fun. It's got. Um, yeah, good soundtrack. The setting is beautiful. It's just like really good play on those early era monster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's and it's perfectly good as it is. But I thought that was hilarious. Though, that That's John funny. said, like he's like I haven't read the script or anything but like don't um, do it. But don't do. I mean, that's you know a lot of times you know fanboys can be too obnoxious. But when your father is the creator of the original and his advice, yeah. I would step away from that project. You, you might need he's to. He's got plenty of other projects in the works, so. Got it. Um, that what, was another one. What's his one. thing that he's big on, Max Landis? What, what do you mean? What's like, he known for, mainly? Oh, Chronicle. Oh, American right, Ultra, right, right. Some comics. He's not a lot of good stuff, but he's also can, be, he gets in trouble a lot for just being, having, like, super loud opinions on Twitter about everything. Oh, he's the guy who did yeah. the Channel Zero sci-fi anthology series yeah, that yeah, I yeah. want to check mm-hmm. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, he's a great writer. And he also yeah. did uh, Dirk Gently on BBC America. Yeah. Oh, man, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a huge career. Sure. Um, that's amazing. Sure. Cool. Um, and then the only one other one I had, my favorite of this trilogy is Evil Dead 2. Um, so I love the whole Evil Dead trilogy. Oh, and he's a comic writer too. That's why I know him so much. He did Superman American Alien. And he's writing, um, I haven't read it, but it's, um, it's an image book, uh, Green something. I'd have to look it up. Now, but, that, but that's um, why I have a very strong association yes, between yes. your mouth saying the word John Landis. Yes. Or Max Landis. Max Landis, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so my only other honorable mention was, um, my favorite from the Evil Dead trilogy, Evil Dead Two. Um, yeah, why yeah. does everybody say that one's the best? Is that one because that one's funnier? that's when he gets the the saw for one. Okay, um, that, a lot of the you know groovy and all those are kind of glide, you know that's when those come in. So the first one's more of like a straight ahead horror. The second one's like the well, goofy it's, horror, it's right? still they're all campy and they they get progressively more campy. Mm-hmm. Like um, 
the first one so Sam Raimi made the first one when he was 18 which is impressive but uh, you know regardless by any measure, so by any right. measure I mean made a what they call a wunderkind it. right right um, and it was still very it, it has a lot of horror in it but it was still also a play on the cabin of the woods genre and all that um, but you know and it has the creepy song and all that but um, there are more characters in that one it's more ash focused in two and then army of darkness okay. army of darkness is by far the campiest of them because at the end of two he gets sent back in time and um and is in the medieval times in army of darkness and he has to fight this demon army and it's super fun and super campy. Oh. um and i love i mean i love sam Raimi, but evil at two is just yeah it's 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 just, the epitome it, yeah it just has all the best parts of the whole trilogy um and it has the groovy line and then the saw and then just so many mm. iconic elements that made that trilogy what it so, is. So, like, um, uh, Kevin's just like, yeah, there's this line in it. It's groovy, and it's, like, the line. Yeah, it is. And people who have seen it know what I'm talking about. Awesome. So, cool. um, so those are my honorable mentions. All right, so I have a little bit longer list, but they're shorter. So the first on the list uh, that I always think of when I think of horror, and it's uh, it's more of a satire of uh-huh. horror, uh, it's the Scream series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. love okay. the Scream yeah, yeah. series. Um I've seen most, if not all of them. I don't think I ever saw four, but I love them. Um, by the way, they're whodunits. Yeah. So that's what really does it for me. I also even like the Scream TV series and then also Scream Queens, which is another TV series. So anyway, the Scream movies really do it for me. Sure. Paranormal Activity series, the first couple movies. Um, the first one I wasn't a huge fan of. I found it a little boring. Yeah. But the second and third ones, they really go deeper into the, like, the lore and like the intrigue of this whole world. And whichever one it is that culminates with those witches all walking around the house at the end, you know the one I'm talking about? Whichever one that is, okay. that's the one I like the best. Okay. Um, I mix those all up. They're all weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shaun of the Dead, obviously. That, well, yeah, that like that was a, but it's one of my favorite comedies by far. And I mean, it really works as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a horror movie, but yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, sure. exactly. But that movie's great. That's on mine as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the um, this one I loved. The visit. Yeah, that was good. I, I love really the visit. Yeah. Um, again, that one has. Did you re- like it better than Split? Oh, oh yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't love Split. I don't okay, love Split. I think yeah. Split's okay. Okay. Um, uh, but then again, I haven't seen the first one. Um, yeah, I've seen Unbreakable. Right. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was part of my lack of enjoyment. I did of like it. Split a lot because of that. Yeah, I love yeah. Unbreakable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen Unbreakable, so yeah, I still yeah. need to. Um, this is a really weird one. You're going to be surprised when I say it. Okay. But I love this movie. Okay. The Boy. Really. The Boy really? Rules. I the, heard it was terrible. But okay. It's not. Okay. Did you do you know what it's about? What how how the twist? I've goes? seen the trailer. You know the twist? No. Oh, dude, you gotta watch it. All right. It has an actually surprising twist for this kind of movie. It's like, okay. oh, there's a haunted doll. Just watch. Okay. It's it's good. It's All not right. like a masterpiece, but I really no, liked it. I'll check it out. Um, and then here are two or three that are very beloved yeah, yeah, that yeah. I also love. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Every time yeah. I went and looked at lists, everybody says that's a horror movie. Sure, it's sure. debatable. Um, but if it is I mean, if it is a horror movie, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sixth Sense, that's one you can't deny. Um, again, really great twist. Um, a movie that you know it's more psychological and supernatural than it is horror, but yeah, yeah. it needed to be on the list. Um, and then another one in the satire genre that is beloved, and I had so much fun with it. This is one of the ones. Now that I'm talking this out, this should maybe have made my list. Mm, it's more like five or six. Mm-hmm. The Cabin in the Woods. Okay, yeah. That movie's phenomenal. Yeah. Sure, um, sure. I love just the whole group. Lee and Drew Goddard combination. Yeah. Yeah. And another honorable mention, even though it's not a movie, uh, is a movie is a game called Until Dawn. It's actually, yeah. it might as well be a movie. It's just an interactive one. It's so good. Okay. Um, and it's an, it's very similar to The Cabin in the Woods. This group of friends goes out to the woods to 
um, basically commemorate the one year anniversary of their friends who died there, That's cool. and then people start getting murdered, and That's it's cool. really cool. Yeah. So, also one I forgot, Wes Craven's new Nightmare is my favorite of the um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. That's it because as much as I love, I mean, Freddy Krueger is by far my favorite out of Jason, Michael Myers, all them. Um, and I, of course, I love the original, but I, I really love what Wes Craven's New Nightmare does. It was when, um, because you know, there was a Nightmare on Elm Street, then there was a bunch of sequels, and only like one of them had any involvement from Wes Craven. Then mm-hmm. he returned to the franchise for this one, and it plays out as a meta narrative where he's writing the movie and he puts himself in it, and um, it follows the actress of the original as the main character huh. um and it's freddy terrorizing the real world um you know the real but right um it's really brilliant how it's done so huh. that and shine of the dead are definitely on my list as well cool um all right man you're right, right. number one i mean loved by many and you know we've already talked king before but shining i gotta get i mean yeah. what scares scared me when i first saw it and read the book still scares me now um also i mean you know like you said um i'm a writer as well and so the idea of how um it really plays with your fears on what if you were isolated for that long and mm-hmm. um which is with what writer's right, life right with the right circumstances could you go into maybe not that crazy but could you have a dark side too um you know even supernatural elements aside um but it, it's just a masterpiece in so many ways um the performances um you know the uh right down to the kid the shot of him on um, the trolley and then seeing the twins there and all that. Um, it's got just, so many iconic moments. Oh gosh, moments. yes. Uh, I mean, you know, and it's one of my dad's favorite movies and he doesn't even like horror either. But, like, um, I mean, I, I like it a lot more but only got into it in recent years. But he never watches horror movies and that's one of his favorites. Interesting. Um, so it just has that kind of universal thing about it that um, everyone enjoys. It plays on so many fears. Um, it keeps you engaged the whole time. It has moments that are creepy funny. Um, and it's actually the only one that Stephen King really dislikes because they changed the ending. Um, big time. Kubrick changed the ending big time. Right, um, which is interesting because it's probably the most beloved film. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and really, I, I mean, I, you know, the big difference is that the book ends with, um, the hotel burning down, and also you get to see, um, the mom, the son, and then um, the butler there like survive, um, but. Um, you know, in the movie, it does. Uh, Jack freezes to death. Um, but as far, I, it's really weird that that's his major criticism of it. But from what I know, there were also other behind the scenes stuff between him and Kubrick. Um, so it's interesting. But um, it is really interesting that the most beloved of his adaptations is the one he hates. But, it's so funny. Yeah, and yeah. didn't they do like a redo version? There like is a, a like mini series in I believe the nineties. I've never seen it, but. With um, what's his name, the and guy with was, the bright eyes, uh, the guy with the, the yeah, blue eyes that's in, that's in um, Wings, you know the dude. Could, yeah, I know that but dude. Could, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and King was much more involved with that adaptation, but hmm. um, it's not quite as good. I no, hear. I know, I know, <laughs> and it, it never reached any kind of mainstream um, level. But cool. So yeah, that's the trying, one, number one. With the bullet. Number one. Yep. Awesome. Uh, so my number one is not because it's probably the best film of all time, mm-hmm. but because it's the movie that scared me the most throughout my entire life. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, the Lawnmower Man. Oh, interesting. Okay. I have never been as scared at a movie as this one. There, 
there is something about so I've always been as a child horrified of the concept of subliminal messages and mind control the idea that I could be in like a garden shop and in the music I think I saw it on 2020 one time it, I never forgot it scared uh-huh. the shit out of me uh-huh. it was this idea that there are in within the music they hide words that like tells their employees to work harder uh-huh. or says hey if you work a little overtime It'll reward you in the long run. These evil little ideas that are put into your head to try to make you, or that you go into Walmart and there's like elevator music playing, but in the background it's like, why don't you check out our fresh produce mm. and shit like that. <laughs> to me, that's the scariest. How I, old were you? I, I, uh, 11, 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll when I, I would, I would wake up shaking at night and, and, and horrified yeah. at the prospect of being mind controlled by subliminal messages. Sure. For me, that was my boogeyman. Sure. So, for some reason, this movie with this Job who, who like, goes into cyberspace and just, like, appears and the way he looked in it, it was very visual. Yeah. Um, the concept is, for those who don't know, it was based on a short story by Stephen King, although he had a, it was almost nothing to do with the story. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, the yeah. concept, like, one sentence sure, from the sure. book or whatever. Sure. He even sued to get his name off of it. Um, but the concept is there's a lawn mowing man, a guy, his name is Job, and he is... Like a zero IQ. He's very, very, very slow. Uh-huh. And this scientist decides to experiment on him, um, putting him into virtual reality and manipulating him with like subliminal messages and, and mind control and, 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 and thoughts and ideas to the point where he makes him the smartest man ever um, through this process of, of, of mind control in the, in the computer. Um, and Job becomes this all-powerful, like, like evil genius type so it's almost like what if somebody who was raised their whole life less than and then is all of a sudden given this amazing intelligence and the evil that he wreaks and 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 it was the visuals of it i had that vision of the lawnmower man face in cyberspace in my head it haunted me at night um it is just a movie that you can't see it again because of that. i don't know if i can see it again wow. not because i'm so scared but because uh, I don't want to ruin like how much I loved it. Yeah, although, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, although I, so he keeps tabs on the process of his experiment. Um, so basically, what, however, Joe begins to display telepathic abilities and hallucinations. Um, it's just this really creepy thing that he does to his mind, and the mm-hmm. idea of my mind being attacked, yeah. especially against my will, is to me the scariest thing of all. Because what are we but our mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that concept has always frightened me, and that movie. My mom was mad at my dad for years <laughs> for showing it to me. I, and I saw it at a hotel. Um, okay. I don't know if you remember from your childhood when you go to a hotel, like you want to jump on the beds. You want yeah, you want yeah. you want to like just like go out and see the pool. Right. You want to just try out all the different things. Sure, you know, sure. and just like you're at a hotel, it's exciting. Sure, with sure. Your family, everyone's close knit. Sure, it's just sure. a good feeling. And it was one night. My mom was doing something else in the hotel room, and me and my dad were sitting there watching The Lawnmower Man on pay-per-view right, right. in the hotel room. It was one of my best experiences, and I literally had nightmares for years yeah. after it. And wow. she was so mad at him for showing me that. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, for me, story. the scariest experience I've ever had in film ever, and what is horror but that, right. was The Lawnmower Man. So that's, that's my cool. number one pick. I've never seen it, so I don't know. Oh, dude. Yeah. dude. Maybe I'll watch it again with you, maybe. Okay, all right. That would be uh, interesting. Okay, I will, yeah. Um, cool. So that's it. That's it, yeah. That's it, so... Um, that yeah. gives you a glimpse into our horror case. Our, I, I'm very looking forward to Jordan's um, picks because I'm sure he'll do an article about this um, once he hears the episode. Um, but yeah, he's by far the biggest horror buff of the three of us. Um, so that'll be really interesting. Get his perspective. Why don't I ask um, you this as yeah. a little uh, uh, final thought? Sure. What horror movies are coming up that you're excited about? Because I have a big one. Well, I, I 
Happy Death Day. Yes. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh, no, we're my going. brother was we're really going. excited about it too. He's like, we're, "Oh, that looks like something we'll I can go. see." Like, uh, dude, multiple times. it's Groundhog Day meets horror. Right. It's gonna be. It's gonna be like the, the and that creepy kid doll face. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta go. I mean, opening night, we gotta go. Sure, sure. It looks so good. That looks really good. It, it, and it's and just. Then... It's basically a girl. She tries to solve her own murder, and it's mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. She wakes up each day. And then no matter what she does, this this creep finds a way to kill her. Right. And so she's got to, like, find out who it is, and how it's, oh, it looks right. so good to me. And then this weekend, Mother came out, which... Um, oh! Did you hear? Okay. The so, buzz is so weird! It was very weird. So it did really well with critics, early scores. They gave it a fresh rating, Rotten Tomatoes, all that. It got a F, like, on, um, from audiences. Some on, critics aren't liking uh, it, too, though. Some, yeah, no. But, I like, also but, read but some, there were like, a fair amount of, okay. like, uh, a bit... Still enough to get like more than not liked it. Um, Remember but when then we the saw... audience they gave it an F on Cinema Score or whatever. Remember when we saw it and it was like the most aggressive ad campaign ever? We were yes, watching it at the right? very beginning. They were like, "Go to the box office right after the screen." Yes, get, uh, go get your tickets it. right and now. And it wasn't a trailer; it was just like a super aggressive voiceover. Like it, it was you know? nuts. Yeah, and I just thought to myself, "Okay, they have decided that like they got to go to drastic measures to make this movie right. do well because you know." It is dominating the box office. It's also a horror movie. Right. So I want to go more out of curiosity. I'm mainly going because Javier Bardem's in it. Well, I, 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 yeah. he, he's but, yeah. one of the best actors yeah, of our yeah. generation. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is great too. Yeah. So the concept of this movie, as far as I understand it, is there's a writer again. Yeah. He's an author. Yeah. Um, he's got a young hot wife, mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Lawrence. He's much older, obviously. He's Javier Bardem, um, and they live together in this house. And she's, like, fixing it up and making it nice, and he's there doing his yeah. – being kind of creepy and moody. And then all of a sudden, people start showing, showing up. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, people like um, – what's the guy's name? Um, I can't remember. Anyway, some, some people. But yeah. but, yeah, these outsiders come the, in. And, and they start, and they like, living there or being there. Right. And, like, to Javier Bardem, this is welcome and wanted and cool. Yeah. And to her, she's horrified. Right, and She doesn't right, get right. why he doesn't mind it. Sure. And then that's all I know. Yeah. And yeah. I know that it's horror. Sure. I know there's scary shit. Do you know any more about it? Not really, but like, um, but it was just fascinating the divide there. Well, what I've that. heard from even from the critics that I read that didn't love it was that it's incredibly infuriating and frustrating. Okay, it's yeah. one of those movies that sets up all this cool shit and then never like tells you what it was. Yeah, it's like mind. all mystery, no answer. Yeah, okay. And if that's cool, all yeah. it is, I I, I may know. not. Yeah, it's a rental. I may not for me. like it, but uh, I do want to check it out though. Awesome. So. Okay, so that's our uh, history movies. Will be, I mean, history movies. History movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's a spoiler. Though. Yeah, this was that was actually the uh, tease for right. who we're actually doing. Yeah, we're doing best history. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, in in honor of that, I'm gonna watch Ken Burns' Vietnam uh, documentary. Did you know that's coming on tonight? Yeah. Okay. okay. Everybody's okay, all yeah. about it. So nice. anyway, on that note. Um, you can find me uh, at RT Lapore on Twitter. Yep. You can find me at KWShafe on Twitter. Uh, you can and... find our website at thejoyofgaming.com. You can find it at thejoyofgaming.podbean.com. You can find us at thejoyofgeek.net. Yep. And where's social media? Um, you can find me on smanewstoday.com, um, ultimatecomics.com, where I do weekly reviews. Um, and, yeah, uh, various yeah. places on the internet. Cool. On that note, I'm Rich Lapore. Kevin Shaver. And we'll see you next time. Take care.